This is The Neutral Position, hosted by Nick Palmashano, Bringing honesty and reason back into conversation. Here's your host, Nick Palmashano. Unpleasant or repulsive, especially in appearance. Adjective. The word is ugly. No, we're not trying to describe your mom or that terrible spring break decision you made back in the day. We're talking about the most heinous, eye-bending, gag-inducing, dog chew on the planet. We're talking about ugly chews. To you and me, ugly chews are nothing to look at. You see, when you take cowhide, clean it by hand, and sun cure it with no chemicals, it doesn't look like a cute dog bone or rawhide, but it also doesn't sit in your dog's stomach forever or cause digestion issues. So while we see a hairy mess that we don't want to touch in any way, shape, or form, your dog, the natural predator that he or she is, yes, even Mitzi the toy poodle has some wolf DNA in there. That dog just sees gorgeous, delicious, healthy nature. So when you're at the pet store scanning the aisle or you're online ordering the next tasty morsel for your canine companion to gnaw on, are you buying that cute bone or that rubber toy for you or for your dog? Because in your dog's world, that pretty, chemical-filled, tied-in-an-adorable-bow treat is a 6 out of 10. Tops. It's fine. It'll do. But it doesn't inspire. Why? Because to your dog, it's not natural at all. It's foreign. It's manufactured. It's a frozen dinner when you really want a perfectly cooked steak. In short, it's just not ugly enough. So if you want to give your dog the experience of a lifetime while Dreamweaver plays and the world moves in glorious slow motion then get your dog an Ugly Chew at UglyChews.com. That's UglyChews.com. Hey guys, welcome to The Neutral Position. I'm Nick Palmashano, and it is an honor to have Lou Torres, or uh, Kelsey, help me out here. If we were in Puerto Rico, what would we say? Luis. Luis Torres. Luis Torres. If we were in Puerto Rico, um, fellow entrepreneur started around the same time I did a couple years after I did. And sir, mm-hmm. you make cocoa Chrissy tropical ices, yes, sir. which I have to tell you is not a normal company to start. Yeah. So how'd you, how did you get into that? Okay. Well, cocoa Chrissy tropical ices is the name of the company, which is named after my sons, Carmelo and Christian Carmelo is cocoa. He's 18 years Two old. Two Scots now. Irish kids? Well, no, not <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, well, was it uh, Irish twins? Because they're no, no. That's me and my brother. We're 10 months <laughs> apart. No, but but Christian and Carmelo. Christian is Chrissy, mm-hmm. Chrissy boy. He's 21 now, though. We don't call him Chrissy. Uh, and Carmelo is Coco. He couldn't say Carmelo when he was little, so Coco was the first thing that came out of his mouth when he pronounced his name. That's where I came up with the name, that's Coco awesome. Chrissy Tropical Ices, but. What it is, it's a New York-style Italian ice push cart vending business. So what do you know about New York? Well, I grew up in New York. I grew up in the city, uh, in the Bronx, New York. Humble beginnings. Um, Two-bedroom apartment. My brothers and I and my sister shared a bedroom. My mom was in the other room um, and uh, grew up on the 14th floor. But we we didn't know that we didn't have money at the time because mom made our, our home feel like like a mansion full of love. But one thing as a child that I remember vividly was when the icy guy would come around the neighborhood or we're out and around in the boulevard and it's a hot summer day and you hear the bells ringing and it was the Italian ice vendor 
but in 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 Spanish Harlem or in, in the city, it's known as coquito, which mm. is the Spanish version of the Italian ice. Gotcha. And that's what I grew up on. Um, so we're gonna fast forward to tw- 2007. So what's the difference? The different. Oh, great, great, great question. It's, That's why I do this. It's those. <laughs> it's those hard questions like that. Well, the the, the flavors that I carry right now um, is coconut, passion fruit, mango, strawberry, blue raspberry, lemon, cherry, sour apple, and strawberry. I don't know if I said strawberry. So it's eight flavors. But the traditional Italian ice flavors in New York City is cherry and lemon, mm-hmm. chocolate also. But I don't. I don't make chocolate. I can. But the Puerto Rican Latin version of the Italian ice is mango, coconut, passion fruit. Now, if you go to Puerto Rico, same guy pushing the cart. It's a different texture. It's, it's, it's almost it's the same texture, but it's a little bit more flavorful, a little creamier based. Mm. So there is a slight difference between the two, but I refer to my ice as Italian ice. But when I do my Spanish festivals, I do the Spanish ices. I got you. So back to uh, how did I start it? So as a kid, I loved the Italian ice. And I went to work for corporate right after college. And my background's in software sales. And I was doing well for myself in my mid to late 20s. Yep. But there was a point where I was sitting in my office looking outside the window, and it was a nice, pretty day. And I had no fulfillment where I was. Sure. Yeah, I know the that. The money was good. Yep. You know, the, the the title was great. Yep. But I was like, man, I want to be outside. I want to do that. I want to be out there. I, I know where you're heading with this. Yes. But I, I got to ask. Yeah. How was, how was your mom's reaction? Because I know, I mean, it could, so I'm, I am the son of immigrants. Uh-huh. And my parents worked very hard to yep. get us to middle class, worked okay. very hard. So when I then had this great corporate gig making a lot of money, essentially like made it. Yep. And I was like, I think I'm going to quit all this <laughs> to sell t-shirts. Yeah. You know, they were supportive eventually, you know, I mean, I shouldn't say that they were always supportive, but they definitely asked a lot of hard questions. Like, are you sure this is what you want to do? Yeah. How was your mom? Oh, no, the, the opposite. You know, my mom is my biggest cheerleader. And so she was like, go for it. P- pretty much. Pretty didn't, much. Didn't worry about like missing out on the big job or anything? No, not at all, because she did that one time at, when I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And it was actually kind of what molded me into who I am now as an entrepreneur and as a salesman. Because I didn't go to college right after high school. Yep. We didn't have the money to go. So yeah. I sat out for two years. My first job at 18 years old was selling vacuum cleaners door to door in New That's York. That's hard. Electrolux. Yeah, it was an, yeah, it's yeah. super hard. Yeah. This was in 1996. And I'm trying to convince you, I'm knocking on your door and I'm trying to convince you to buy a thousand dollar vacuum yeah. in 1996 yeah. when you think your vacuum works. So I went home and I told mom, Hey, I got a job. She says, Oh yeah, what are you doing? I said, well, I'll be selling vacuums door to door. And she, she said, that's a BS job and you're going to waste your time. And you're going to, so I used that as motivation to prove her wrong. And that's the first and only time in my life that she ever doubted me. And that first month, I put my head down and I grinded out and I sold 36 vacuums that month, which made me the number one sales rep in New York state wow. as a begin, Yes. As a beginner salesman. Wow. And at 18 years old, I made over $10,000. I blew it probably that's the following month, but, and I never really, I never sold 36 vacuums after that. 10 grand in 1996 is that's a lot of money. That's man. a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. 
but what what that that experience did for me because I stayed for about a year, it, it exposed me to sales and and, and a commission based job where mm-hmm. sky was the limit. Yep. Not just this is how much I'm gonna make every week. Yep. Or this is how much I'm gonna make every hour. But if she didn't doubt me, that didn't that would not have pushed me to go as hard as I did. So now we fast forward to I'm starting a new company or a new business, and I didn't completely walk away from corporate right away. Oh yeah. Because this was a it was a weekend job. So fast forward in 2007 is when I was sitting at my office and looking out the window and just saying to myself, man, I want to be outside. I don't want to be in here. Mm-hmm. I'm watching the the corporate politics, the you know, the, the favoritisms, everybody high-fiving each other. I'm like, wait, I did the same good job. Yeah. I'm not getting the same treatment. This is crap. <laughs> yep. Really, that was motivation for me. And that night, I went home and I prayed. And I said, Lord, I want to run my own business. What do I do? Prior to that, there was no reason for me to say that. But I was sitting in my office looking outside. I was like, man, I want to be out there. And I woke up the next morning, true story, sat at the foot of the foot at the bed, and the first thing that came out of my mouth was ices. Not snow cones, not ice I, When I said ices, because it's as if God literally just spoke in my ear and said, ices. And I knew it was the Italian ice that I grew up on in, in, the, in New York City, in the Bronx. That's, I don't know if I told you that's where I grew yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I knew at that moment that if I brought the Italian ice down south, because at the time nobody was doing it, yep. that it would be it, it will be successful. Because there's no demographic for the ices, whether you're white, black, Spanish, old, young, rich, poor. Delicious is delicious. Delicious is delicious. Yeah. And um, but that was in 2007. My shirt says 2009, established in 2009. Well, the reason why is because two years went by and I talked the good game of of what I was about to do. Yeah. But fear and procrastination stopped me from moving yep. forward. I mean, I had a corporate job. I was married. I had two young boys. I was the sole breadwinner of the home. It was hard to just walk away from that to mm-hmm. pursue something I had no idea oh, was sure. gonna, if it was going to succeed or not. In theory, it was going to. Yep. But you know, there's also evidence that if you start telling people mm-hmm. what you're going to do, yeah. you get the same dopamine hit as oh, yes. of actually doing it. And it actually typically results in you not taking action. So, you know, people that coach, uh, you know, in excellence actually tell people, don't tell anybody other than the critical folks and just start executing. Yeah. Because it's nice to talk about my plan. It's a lot harder, as you know, to like execute. It's crazy how, how how similar your backgrounds are, which is why I knew. But it's also for me too. I mean, you guys not finding that fulfillment in in your corporate gigs. And yeah. that was the same for me. I was getting further away from like I shared with you guys what I wanted to be doing or learning even more about and I was just finding nothing about it. And so I I well, I just yeah. decided to ice it out and come back here and start all over again. For me, it was more like um, when I was when I was in college the the first time. I felt like I was growing. Mm-hmm. Then when I was in the military, I felt like I was growing, and I was always doing something new and like I was improving myself and learning. And then you know, grad school was like okay, it was all right. You know, I got a few things out of it. I wouldn't say that you know it was like top of the list of great experiences. But then in corporate. 
I kind of felt like after the first year or so, it was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to get a lot more or if I just have to get good at the game. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I wasn't like, I didn't feel like I as a person was leaping forward. And in the, you know, even though it sounds smaller to people that haven't created a business, the act of trying to sell t-shirts was so much harder than anything I did in a fortune 100 company making a, a you know, a small fortune. Like it was so much harder because nobody, people only buy their first choice. They only buy something they really want. Otherwise, like if they just kind of like your icy, yeah. they'll just walk to the next stand of something else. Yep. They have to like it, which yes. means you have to be good at it. So yes. talk about that a little bit. Like the, what did it feel like to finally start? So, so two years went by and I made no moves towards what I said I was going to do. Mm -hmm. And in 2009, God spoke to me again and scolded me like a father, scolding his kid who didn't take out the trash. If you don't do what I tell you to do, I'm going to give your blessing to somebody else. And how did you how did you receive that message? Like I received it as if my father on earth or my mother was telling me, Louis, if you don't take out that trash or you don't make your room. Now, <laughs> I have to ask for Kelsey. Was it Lou or Luis? So, 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 so Louis is New York. Yep. Yep. Louis was was in, yeah. if you go back to the Bronx or Newburgh, yeah. everybody knows Louis. Yeah. 18 plus is Lou. Actually, 16 to 25 was pretty, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I think you need to explain exactly why it's pretty, Lou. Well, I, mean, no, I mean... We'll get there in the story. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, that was my nickname in high school and in college. But um, I don't know why. They just... <laughs> that was a nickname. <laughs> anyway, so back to, to, to God scolding me like, like, a, like a child. If you don't do what I tell you to do, I'm going give, to give your blessing to somebody else. And that's what motivated me to say, you know what? This summer, I'm going to give it a shot. At least I'll give it a shot. And mm -hmm. if it doesn't work out, then you so know. be it. You know. But I'm going to give it 100. And I did. So that, that winter, um, my cousin and I, we made um, our first push carts out of wood and some insulation, painted it red, slapped on some clip art work on the side that looked cheesy as as hell yeah, with yeah. a with a Walmart umbrella but every weekend I was at the flea market in Raleigh it's no longer there it's on, it was on Rock Quarry Road mm -hmm. yeah I remember that flea market yep yeah, was, yeah you paid $21 for the day and you can sell whatever you want and I was out there every Saturday Sunday sampling the product educating the, the customers to italian ice because unless you were from up north yep you haven't seen it you have yeah, yeah. You, you know what a snow cone is yeah, yeah hawaiian ice yeah but italian ice is totally different um so i was out there just following my vision taste this taste this taste this and when the customer will taste it I'm like oh wow this is different oh let me get a cup and in the first year i was out there every weekend and my goal was to make $1,000 that weekend. And that's pretty high for a, a startup it's a, business. It's a lot of ice. You know, for real, right? <laughs> and, and to be honest, that, I was hitting that every weekend. And I couldn't believe, wow, I'm making a, just selling ice at the flea market. Then I got exposed to the community by doing like certain small events. And at North Carolina Central University, there used to be a basketball tournament there that Jerry Stackhouse will host with some of his buddies. 
called the North Carolina Pro-Am uh, basketball tournament. And in this tournament, you will have your ACC players who were in school at the time, NBA players, former NBA players, oh, wow. just come together, basically like a pickup tournament at North Carolina Central. So you could come for free. Was it like five on five? Five on five. It was yeah. full court. Yeah. So in New York City, there's a park called Rucker Park. Rucker is where if you, if you want to make a name for yourself or you say you played somewhere, Rucker Park is like the Madison Square Garden to street basketball. So that's what they tagline uh, the, the basketball tournament, uh, North Carolina Pro-Am, the Rucker of the South. Huh. Well, Jerry Stackhouse and my, my fraternity brother, Earl Reese, allowed me to come and serve my ice during the games. And I would run up in the, in the crowds, bring them ice, taking orders because they wouldn't come and leave their seats. So I would come and bring them the ice. Well, while I'm doing that, there's people in the community saying, hey, my church is having a function or there's a, a festival in Oxford or all this, yeah, or in my yeah, school. Yeah, and they, yeah. they got me into the community and that's how I built my brand in the triangle. And now we fast forward 15 years later, we now own 14 push carts, four trailers, two trucks, two mobile vans. I make my own ice. We ship all over the country. You can buy it by the container. We can deliver here locally. And it all started with the flea market and just jumping out there on faith. How, how do you expand? So one of the things that I think is always interesting is it's... I'm not going to say it's easy because nothing about small business is easy, but it's easy when it's still in the span of your control. Yep. Once it leaves the span of your control, once you go from cart one that you're running mm -hmm. to cart two, now things get dicey fast. How did you expand? Talk about that. Talk about the moment you decided to go to two carts. Well, I mean, I, to be honest, when I made my first cart, I told my cousin, let's make two more. I didn't just start with one. The first few weeks I was out there on my own, but I already saw ahead of time, this is going to expand. But over the years, whenever it was time to grow, my foundation is faith-based. So I'm at a point where if I'm walking in my purpose, which is to sell ICs, but it's not to sell ICs to make money, it's what I'm doing with the business which we're going to talk about later with the mentoring and, and teaching young men and women how to think and act like entrepreneurs. Well, talk, I mean, talk about it. You know, what, what, okay. is, it, what is it that so, drives so, you? So, so that's, that's uh, exactly. What's my motivation? My motivation is not to be the biggest Italianized mobile vendor on the East Coast, even though right now I am. My motivation is that all the young men and women that come through the Coco Christie experience, that's what I call it, learn and think like entrepreneurs. They get a scoop, they get a cart, they get the trucks, the vans, whatever. I teach them how to do what I do while polishing the skills that I see in them and help them see things differently from a worker's perspective to a boss's perspective. Mm. So, they can, so they can That's make hard. decisions. Talk about that. Yeah. Talk about what that, that is to you because this is a one of the things that I always, I, like I always tell people that, like, that are starting businesses, they can never understand they can never understand that their employees don't see it as 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 important as they do, and they and I always tell people they never will unless yeah. you have a very special person. Yeah. And why would they? Right? You know, they the upside for them is not even if you are very good to your employees, and yeah. I try to be. Um, the upside is never going to be with a potential upside for you. Yeah. So, 
it's not realistic to think that they're going to be as invested as you are. But there is something special when an employee starts taking ownership. And, you know, for me, once somebody's taking ownership, it's much easier to trust them, to compensate them, to do all, all these other things because you're getting a you're getting a totally different work product yep. than you are with somebody that is just cashing a paycheck. So tell me, tell explain to me what the difference is in mindset. Well, um, my focus is empowerment because a lot of the kids that work for me, young men, women, um, they come from a home or a background where they won't have this type of opportunity or, or, or have been taught this, this mindset. And that's what I try to teach them through, through personal experience, through mentorship, but also through books such as The Secret, Think and Grow Rich, The Richest Man in Babylon, to change the way their mind thinks about money and life so that they can change the course of their path, their, their, their road, so to speak where their parents had a, a rougher road to, to walk down. So what I do through the company is empowerment and teach them to think and act like a boss. And by the way I do it is through the scoop, through interacting with the customers, giving them um, the power to take the trucks to where, whatever state, not even just local here. Say, okay, here you guys go. Call me unless it's an emergency. Don't call me unless it's an emergency. Mm. And to want to see them come back with the returns and that they're with a positive return and, and, and a positive feedback from the vendor coordinator, that's what motivates me because they get it. And what I tell them is that, guys, the difference between me and you is that I own the equipment. So naturally, yes, I'm going to get the majority of the money, but you guys are running a business. So that means you can do the same thing. It doesn't have to necessarily be ICs. It can be anything. But I'm showing you that it's real that you can do it. So do they run their own P&L? Like- so, no, no, not, <laughs> not, not yet. But I explained to them, you know, all right, this is how much it costs. This is how much we spent. This is how much you made. This is the bottom line. This is how much you get paid out. And they get a percentage of what they sell. Hmm. Plus they get, keep their tips. And so you're, these 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, where they can make five hundred to a thousand dollars on a weekend, at a decent yeah. show. Yeah. That's a lot of money it's for a lot a kid. of money. It's a lot of money for a kid. Okay. Yep. I've also seen like you take you've taken some of these or a lot of these young men too, and they've successfully started up their own business. Exactly. The practices that you exactly you know that you've implemented and taught them, and they've taken it away. I've seen so many on, on your trucks around Coco Chrissy Van, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm about to run up. I'm gonna get me some icy. I'll see. I'll see Luis. <laughs> and it's, it's one of his guys yep. and, and and then I'll, I'll see them also at a you know somewhere else and they've got their own business now and they're implementing they're using the same yep. the same practices with that and that that goes back to you know worrying about if they see your vision or if they're going to steal from the top or they have their own agenda if I worried about all of that I will I will lose the little bit of hair that I have left. Yeah, yeah you, you can't. You can't. <laughs> you know, I can't afford to do that. So, yep. you know, it's m- my purpose and my passion is to empower and grow these young men. Whether they steal or wreck my car, which they haven't done, 
I trust that something that was planted in them while under my wing will blossom in the future. Because I'll get about two years out of each guy. You know, they'll transition out, you know, find another job or, you know, graduate from college and move on or move out of the state. But because I'm walking in my purpose and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, whenever it's time to expand and grow, it's almost like dominoes. It's, it's It's an open door. If I need new freezers, more carts, more employees, a new festival or... It's, it's almost like it it just happens. It's because I walk in my purpose and I speak it. I believe it. This past weekend was a huge festival locally. It was called Dreamville. Mm. 40,000 people, two days. The weather was beautiful. Last year we did that festival. Made a whole lot of money. For whatever reason, this year they the, the vendor uh, committee did not select us to handle their frozen treats. I was bummed out. I'm not going to lie. Of course. Yeah. Super bummed out. It's always tough, especially if you've done a good job and you know you've done a yeah. good job. And, yep. and, and it's not a couple of dollars. It was, it's a yeah. whole lot yeah. of money that I, I did not make this, this weekend. But because I know that I do a, a good job and my guys represent us well, and, and I represent God, really, that although I didn't get this opportunity, I'm not worried about that because I know – two, three, four, five other ones are going to open up to either offset what I didn't make this weekend or make more. So if we're talking to business, you know, your audience, if there's any business uh, entrepreneurs out there, like just focus on your craft, focus on your craft, provide the best service. If you're chasing the money, the money's going to run away from you. If you're doing what you're doing for money, and that's the, the sole objective, you're, you're not going to be successful or as successful. But if you're doing it to provide a service and the best service of whatever you're trying to do, the money will come chasing you. Can you touch on, you mentioned uh, a documentary and also just a a philosophy, the secret. Yes. Can you go further into that? Because I mean, it's something that I I had to do a ton of research on. And until you you brought it to me, I didn't even know anything about it. If you could just speak on that. Sure, yeah. Well, the secret is about is is nothing new and it's nothing you know it sounds mumbo jumbo <laughs> when you speak about it but it's about um manifesting what you want what whether whether it be a relationship money fame whatever it is that you want but we have the power the inner power to speak and visualize what we want in life and through through work and visualization and positive affirmation the universe responds to what you put out. And if you speak it and you visualize it and you feel it in your possession, it'll come back to you. And that's what the secret is. And that's what I teach my guys. How do you teach them to deal with negative stuff? Because, you know, um, I believe in everything that you just said. I absolutely believe you have to have a, a positive outlook, believe that you are going to be successful, see the goal, see it to its rightful conclusion. But as you know, like this weekend being the perfect example, yep. shit happens. Yep. You know, um, I've had everything that you can imagine happen to me over the course of, I don't know, what, however many years I'm up to now, 18 years or whatever of entrepreneurship. I've had employee issues. I've had vendor issues. I've had business issues. I've had, you name it, it's happened to me. Yep. How do you deal and how do you train people to deal with 
the moments when it all goes wrong? <laughs> well, it's through leadership. I mean, it's through personal example. One, I'm an open book with them, so I share my, my downfalls. I've shared my successes, mm -hmm. how I overcame certain obstacles, and why staying in a positive mindset and removing negative negativity, whether it be a friend, a situation, or internally, mm -hmm. how to remove that because how that consumes you will, will determine what the outcome is going to be. So through personal experiences, what I've been through, I share with my guys, you know, this is what you have to do to get through this. Or in majority of my guys, see, I'm an athlete first. I played every, you know, baseball, basketball, football, and I held uh, captain uh, leadership roles or yeah. leadership positions, point guard, shortstop, yeah. center field. Yeah. And the guys that work for me are all either current athletes, former athletes. Mm -hmm. So I coach my team as if we're on the court. Okay, so if you're in training and you're and I ask you to give me, you know, 100 push-ups and you bust out 50. Well, yeah, that, that's life. You get to 50 and, and OK, now it's, it's, it's tough, mm. but your goal is 100. You have to push your body through. And even if you can make 100, well, you just made it to 72. And that was before you had a goal. Let's say you didn't have a goal. If you did not have a goal, you probably would have got tired at 30. But because you put 100 in your head, you got to 50, you were struggling. Now you got to push your body through. Now you get to 72. Yep. Then the following week, you get to 80. Then eventually you get to 100. Now 100 is easy for you. And that's life. You go through storms where at the time it seems like there's no positive outcome or this is it. But once you get over that hurdle, this is what I call spiritual muscles. Okay? God's not going to give you something you cannot handle. But once, once you start building your spiritual muscles, which goes back to the 100 push-ups. Okay, now I can do 100. Okay, well, now I need you to do 120. No, well, you got one. Well, I did 100 before. Now I get up to 110. All right, I'm going to build up to 120. Now I'm at 120. That's life. Talk about, talk about one of those moments. Give me, you know, I... I know that you said you've been, you've, this is your 15th year of entrepreneurship. What's the worst, darkest moment you've had as an entrepreneur and how'd you get out of it? Wow. You know, that's pretty, a, a really good question because I was speaking at an elementary school <laughs> last week uh, and a fifth grader asked me that question. Well, me and fifth graders no, the, have a lot in common. No, not, I, I, I get it, but I couldn't believe she, that, that was her thought process. She asked yeah. me that. What was your darkest uh, time as an entrepreneur? What was the yeah. most difficult? Yeah. So, wow, that's impressive. And, and to be honest, it was year one and two. Year one and two for most people, but it wasn't the business part that was hard for me. Because the business part, from, from the beginning, I'm not going to lie, it's been success. Every, every, every week, every month, every year has been year after year growth. But for me personally, I went through a divorce during that time. Mm -hmm. And this was just as I was going into entrepreneurship and leaving corporate and had two young boys. Yep. They were five and seven years old. And, yep. and, you know, their mom and I, we got married super young, even before the kids. Yep. But but we were in love and we, young love, but we loved each other. But we didn't know how to love each other and, and be successful. So it was tough because when, when she and I finally split apart, I was removed from the home from being a day-to-day -day father, which I love. That's my passion. That's... Yep. Besides life, the second 
greatest gift God gives us is to be a parent. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I agree with that. Yes. So, so, so being away from home and not having the money, I, the money that I did have was enough to cover their living expenses to make sure that they were taken care of and to keep the business growing. But there was no money left over for Lou. Oh, I get it. So there was no money for an apartment. There was no mm -hmm. money for gas or food. So the first year, year and a half, I literally slept couch to couch in my car. Um, I lived with my young fraternity undergrad uh, brothers for several months. And I ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner at Shaw University's cafeteria, my alma mater. Because the ladies knew what I was going through and they allowed me to eat there. And that's, that's what allowed me to get through that difficult time. Yep. But there was a point where I'm eating, I don't know, lunch or dinner. And I'm looking, I look to my left and right and I'm 30 at the time. Mm -hmm. These are 18, 19 year old yeah. teenagers. It's tough. And I what am I doing? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you and I, you know, we talked about this a little bit a little bit uh, off camera, but we have a shockingly similar story. You know, I left my corporate gig in September and my, my ex and I uh, were separated in November and I had a one and a three-year-old at the time. Wow. And it was, um, those are tough moments because you really do look at yourself and you're like, you know, is this just selfish? Like, am I you know, am I choosing the thing that I want to do and failing my family? Like, have I failed my family? Is this divorce all my fault? These are all the things that went through my yeah. mind. Um, and my lowest point, I've had a couple, but my lowest point I think ever was uh, I was renting two houses, two, two rooms from a buddy of mine that I went to business school with. And, you know, like all of our mutual friends are all working in these big firms and doing doing very well for themselves. And I've got like thirteen hundred dollars left in my name and I've got fifty seven thousand dollars in credit card debt all for the company. And I don't know how it's going to work. And I I'm, like I didn't want to quit. Um and luckily the kids were young enough they didn't know any better you know to them it was like you know we're hanging out at mr rob's house and it was like fun yeah. but um i told myself like i had to have more money in one month or i was gonna have to at least get another job or something because i couldn't stay in this kind of purgatory because mm -hmm. it wasn't quite working it was like kind of working but it wasn't quite working and I killed myself that month. I mean, just killed myself. And a, a, a series of things happened where we landed this newspaper article in the Army Times. And we were a military apparel brand. And we quadrupled. Hmm. Like, all, like, I mean, right at the end of the month. But anyway, I... I, you know, on that day, I, I opened up my account and I was like, really didn't know what I had. I, I, I knew it wasn't great, but and it was one thousand three hundred fifty seven dollars. So for the first time since I started it, I had fifty seven more dollars than I did <laughs> the month before. And it, as stupid as that sounds, it was incredibly important to believing mm. that I could do it. Yes. And insanely, you know 
about 18 months later, like I had a 4,000 square foot house in Chapel Hill. Mm. I mean, I had a huge swing. I went from like, I'm totally screwed to, oh shit, this is really working. Yeah. Um, but man, there were, there were some years of challenge before that moment. I didn't have the, I didn't have the instant profitability. Yeah. Well, I mean, in most successful stories or, or, or businesses, they're born through hardship, through adversity. It's never the perfect time. It's never the perfect time. It's always time. when your back's against the yeah. wall and you tap into your inner boy mm-hmm. where you believe in Santa Claus and superheroes. <laughs> and you have to, That's like good. you said, the key word is I like that. I you like have that. to. Yeah. Even now, like I, I, I feel like I can jump over the building. You know, like I believe like this is going to happen. I know this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And and in those humble beginnings, when your back's against the wall, that's when the ideas just start flowing. And you start thinking like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Wow. Mm. Same thing with <laughs> you think of people who are on drugs. Think about this. To support a, a, a drug habit and you don't have the money, but you support a thousand dollar a day drug addiction. Your mind is 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 thinking of new ways and creating new ways to come up with the money, whether it's legal or illegal. Yeah, but you're solving problems. But you're solving because you're allowing your brain to figure it out because mm-hmm. you need that. Yep. So let's let's channel that in in something positive. And if you want to be successful, you want to start a business, or you want to do something. Okay, what can I do? As crazy as it sounds, but if you believe in it, and that's the key word, you got to believe in it. Mm. Believe it, and then feel it in your possession. When you feel it in your possession, you believe it, it's already happened. Now you just got to put the work in. And that's that's what what I did during my hard time is that I believe that this is going to win. This is going to succeed because God told me to do it. And as I'm moving forward, I see things opening up. And there's, I didn't hit the home run right away, but I got a base hit here. Mm, okay. I got a base hit yeah. there. I got walked. I got a double. I might have struck out. Okay, yeah. but I saw that pitch. I'm coming back next at bat and I'm going to swing harder or I'm going to put in left field. And, and that's, that's it. Now I feel like Barry so, Bonds, Aaron Judge, I'm knocking the ball out the park every time. Have you had <laughs> moments of doubt? Never. Damn. Never. Ne- there was never one point where I said, am I supposed to be doing something else? This is that's not cool, working. man. That's I'm, rare. I know that. I, I am. That is not me. I definitely, I yeah. definitely doubted uh, a number of times. Yeah. Um, but that's cool. Yeah, it's cool. So what's next for you? Great question. Um, because like I said, I didn't get into Dreamville this weekend, which is a big festival. And I looked at my journal yesterday of what I wrote last week, because last week I'm, we're ramping up into the Dreamville weekend that I'm not going to do. And I was really upset that that company has control over my, destiny whether I was going to make money or not so that means if I applied again for this festival it's a 50 50 chance I'm going to get in Mm. or not so last week I was coming up with all kinds of ideas to expand the business where I have control over it and now my sons are old enough and they're learning the business they're 18 and 21 they've been a part of the business all along but over the last few months they've been with me day to day making ice Um, finding festivals, learning the business. So now all three of us and the rest of my team, but, but it starts with me, the head, 
I'm thinking of all new ways to create more income. So we started look, searching for a storefront. Where's going to be our, our first storefront awesome. in Durham? Okay. And because I make the ice out of my garage yeah. for the last 15 years, but we're, we're outgrowing the garage. So now mm-hmm. I need a warehouse. So the store is going to serve as a warehouse and a manufacturing plant. And the front window will be a bonus. I know it will do well, but by getting more exposure. Are you going to do the thing where like they get to watch you make it? Is it going to be that kind of structure? Or? Probably not. Not not now because, you know, that's a whole bigger warehouse. I don't want that. You don't want that, that retail space. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't want that, that money, uh, the, that rent. Although I would love to own the building, but probably not. But that will be cool for the kids to see it like Krispy Kreme. Yeah. But I want to open up my first store. And that will be one of many. And in order for me to grow the business, initially, I thought I would have to franchise it to multiply quickly. Well, being at the right place, right time, the secret, like I was talking about a few minutes ago, I was at All-Star Weekend in Charlotte a few years ago. And I'm setting up to sell ice. And I see a man walking down the street about 100 yards away. But I knew who he was as soon as I saw him. It was Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban was walking down the street by himself. I dropped what I was doing and I ran. <laughs> I ran over to him. I said, Mr. Cuban, how you doing? My name is Lou Torres. Da, da, da. Can, you mind if we take a picture? He said, right, let's take a picture. We took a, a picture. A couple of other people came by. They saw who he was. So they were taking pictures with him. And he really nice guy. Down to earth. Yep. Super yeah, humble. Yeah, he is. He's a good guy. Super great guy. And... He's focused on the pictures, and he has his arms around them. He's a pretty tall guy. But at that time, I'm just shooting him my pitch. I started this company in 2009. Um, I started with one cart. We have 14 now. We're doing festivals all over the East Coast. We're the biggest mobile Italian ice vendors, da-da-da. But through my business, I train and, and mold the minds of young, uh, young men and women to think and act like entrepreneurs. When I said that, he paused, looked at me, he winked and said, you're winning. So that told me as I was speaking to him, although he wasn't looking at me or engaging with me, he was hearing what I was saying. So when I told him that I teach young men and women to think and act like entrepreneurs, that's when he looked over at me and winked and said, you're winning. Then he said, all right, guys, I got to go. Where's my hotel? I said, well, where are you staying at, Mr. Cuban? He said, at whatever hotel. I said, oh, it's right around the block, but if you don't mind, I can walk you. I can show you how to get there. He said, let's go. So he said, tell me more about your business. Well, sir, you know, I want to franchise it. He said, nope, I'm going to stop you right there. Don't franchise. I said, let me record this. And I recorded him telling me why not to. That's wild. And basically, you know, he just, he said, you know, if you franchise it, you're going to spend more time babysitting, you know, these franchisees, um, a franchise, yeah, franchisors, ease, whatever. I'm drawing a blank right yeah. now. The people that I franchise your business. Yep. <laughs> Um, to run your business the way you wanted it to be ran rather than focusing on your on your product. He says, so buy more carts because it doesn't cost a lot. Train people to think and act like managers. Give them an incentive to do that. And that's how you grow your business. And you'll, you'll be golden. And that's the model I've been using over the last few years. That's really cool. Now, now recently I ran into a guy that I, I grew up in, in Newburgh with who lives here in North Carolina, who's the operations manager for Cookout. And exactly. Nice. nice. And um, I said, Billy, he said, yeah, man, I, um, I oversee over 300 stores, one owner. 
I said, what, Cookout's not a franchise? All these stores all over? I said, nope, it's one owner. We just buy, buy a store, uh, open up a shop, build it, open up another one, build it, but it all funnels up mm. to one owner, a family. Yeah. And they're based in uh, Greensboro, I believe. Yeah. And um, so that was I mean, more affirmation. In and out Burgers the same way. Really? Mm-hmm. So that, that, that was affirmation to me. Like, oh, I don't have to franchise to expand. I can just build one at a time. And then, but he said, Lou, just build the first one. Once you build the first one, the second one will be easier. And then everyone after that is a domino effect because you got a great product, bro. I've tasted it. Now, this is what he told me. So yesterday, I was driving our, our cargo van, our serving van, um, to an event that we found out when we got there was canceled. It was me and my son, my middle son, Carmelo. Mm-hmm. Well, as we're riding back to the house, there's a spot I've had my eye on for the last two years. And I reached out to the owner last year. It's been vacant for at least a year. They don't want to lease and they don't want to sell. But it's just sitting there. And it's perfect. And I know I stand on that property and I can feel it in my possession. Like this is where we're supposed to be. So I parked the van there and I'm taking a picture of the, the address and, and, the, and the, logo, the sign that's run down. But I have my van underneath it so I can visualize yep, what it's going to look like. What, exactly. Yeah. Well, I met a, a gentleman who's a fraternity brother of mine on Saturday at another event who happens to know a guy who's close to the guy that owns the property. So he agreed to do an introduction. But all of this happened last week when I came to the point in in, in my business and said, I don't want that company to dictate whether I'm going to make money this weekend or not. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well now it's time to open up the store. Yeah. Okay. Who's going to run it? My son, Carmelo. He's going to open, he's going to run the first one. Okay. Where do we want to be at? In Durham. What kind of store do we want? We want drive-thrus. I want a place where people can sit. Aesthetically, what I want. It's what I visioned. Mm. And it's there. Now, the only thing that's stopping me from moving forward is getting that guy to say, yeah, I'll lease you the spot. So I know you're going to say that there's no chance he won't say yes, but what happens if he doesn't? If he doesn't, then I'm at a point where that's not where I'm supposed to be. And where I'm supposed to be, it's going to happen. So you really are. You just roll with it. I roll with you it. You just roll with I it. I roll with it. You know? So I, okay. Do you think that everything is manis- manifestation, though? And, and, or do, do you have the next, you know, the next plans? If, like what Nick just said, it's a no. We're not, we're not selling you this. So, so yes and no. If, if I want to be a successful icy, man, icy uh, dealer, we're going to grow. Whether it be... Through the stores, mm-hmm. or whether it be delivery, or, or or the carts, that's that's it. We're going to be successful, but there is times where a no is a no, yeah. Because sometimes God will stop you from what you don't see. You might say like, "I want to get back with my ex-wife so we can be a great family," and 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 <laughs> yeah. because I want to be with you and I love you, but. God might not let that happen, even though you want it, because it's not supposed to happen. He's protecting you from whatever that would have ended up, uh, ended up, uh, whatever kind of relationship that would have ended up like. But we'll open up another avenue for something else and say, wait a second, that's why you said no. 
And it's not until you receive your other blessings or something else happens where you can look back and say, that's why that didn't work out. So yeah, you, you can manifest pretty much anything you want, but if it's not God's plan for you, it's not going to open up. Yeah, that, that's an interesting, you know, that's an interesting thought process because, you know, I, the few times that I've been caught up emotionally in things when things didn't go my way, right? You really, you sink for a minute, you know, you spend time dwelling on something, but the reality is you can only control what you can control. I can't, I can't dictate what you do. Exactly. Like you could get right now, you could just say, you know, I'm tired of this interview and throw that water in my face. <laughs> and I can't, like, I had no way of knowing that was going to happen. I can't make you want to be here. No. I can't, you know, so I can only control how I react to things. Yeah. And, you know, this company, you know, Diesel Jack Media, the company that I now run, um, would have never happened if I hadn't let go emotionally from my previous company. Like that was a hard process. Mm -hmm. But once, once I kind of came to the realization, you know, cause I, I exited to, you know, a, a great business in, in Columbus, but still own kind of like a minority share in it, you know, as an investor. And there were a couple things where it was like, well, this wasn't the, this isn't how I'd run it. And like, I had to actually accept it's not mine anymore. Yeah. And when I did that, like my life literally changed overnight. I'm not, I'm not even joking. I mean, yeah. literally overnight, it was like the stress went away. Yeah. I didn't have to worry about their decisions because they were their decisions, not my decisions. And then I got to say, what do I want to do now? And this company came from that and I've been really happy ever since. Yep. Um, so it's, you know, it's interesting how you, how you approach that. I think it's a very, uh, it's a very stoic, uh, mentality to yeah. go into, you know, kind of accept things as they are and continue. Yeah. What advice would you give to a young person or an old person actually? Yep. Because there are a lot of entrepreneurs that don't start until they're 40 or 50. Some, you're starting a business. What are the three things like you have to do in your mind to be successful in business? Well, the main thing, I, see, if you're doing it for the money, it's not going to work. I, I agree. Yep. Okay. And I see it all the time where we're at a festival and people see my long lines and they get inspired and say, oh, I can get an icy cart. I just need a cart and some umbrellas. Yep. And I can do the same thing. Well, it's the same thing like watching Michael Jordan dominate yeah. a basketball game. And yeah. you say, oh, let me put on some Jordans and a, and a Bulls 23 jersey and shave my head. And yeah. I'm going to have the I'm same result. Yep. That's not it. What you yeah. have to do is you have to figure out what you're good at. Okay. And what you're good at. How can you provide a service with what, you, what you're good at? So if you're, if you're a good, you know, hand, if you're a good uh, handyman, you're good with your hands and you can build things. Okay, well, I'm not. So I will have to pay somebody to, to do a service that I need mm -hmm. to, uh, to do what I need to be done. So figure out what it is that you're good at and how do you provide a service for it. But you have to be passionate about what you're, what you're doing. Because you can be really good with your hands like my dad is, but he wouldn't do that to make money for, you know, 
to start a business because he's passionate want, he about doing it to. for himself. Yeah, that's right. Like, I, I want to I build my own things. My, I don't want to build it for other people. My dad's the same way. Yeah. He can build a house or a car from the ground up. Yep. But he's always like, you know, every time we've asked him, hey, why don't you, why don't you build furniture for people? Yeah. Or why don't you build, you know, custom you know, uh, cabinetry or whatever. He's like, eh, then it's a job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, find out, you know, what you're passionate about and how you can provide a service doing that. Secondly is the mindset. You have to think like a winner. You have to think and believe like you can achieve anything. You have to have a millionaire's mindset. Okay. Well, it's not like, Oh, I'll do this later. You know, it's like, no, it has to get done now. You got to see the fire before the mm -hmm. flames come out. You got to see the smoke coming out of the trash and, and, and put it out or figure it out. Hey guys, Diesel Jack Media has just opened up our new studio. And while we're getting things spun up, I've tasked the team with making as many videos as possible. To kick that off, we are launching a limited time $500 video option. Here's the way it works. You go to dieseljackmedia.com under video production, choose the $500 video, purchase it for $500. You get to choose one of three things. How weird do you want the video? Do you want it normal? Do you want it a little funky? Or do you want it weird as f Once you choose that, you reach out to us at hello at dieseljackmedia.com. We'll write you if you don't write us and we'll ask you to send us your product or tell us about your service. Then we execute. You don't get any say in the matter. We turn it around in one week. It's going to be a high quality video that you can absolutely use in an advertisement, depending on how weird you wanted it. And that's it. And so far it's been a phenomenal product. We've made a lot of small businesses happy. If you're a small business and you need a video on the cheap featuring your product, featuring your service, or just as a joke to one of your friends or something like that, the $500 video at dieseljackmedia.com is the way to go. Well, through the, through the magic of editing, uh, you guys have probably noticed that these glasses have magically appeared. Uh, in a little while, Kelsey's gonna let us have some Cocoa Chrissy yes. Ices. But after, you, you mentioned a third thing. It was a third thing, yeah, that, that came to mind. I mean, if you wanna have a, a, a successful business, what are you doing it for? How does it help others? Mm. If, you do, if, you, if you come from a server mentality or how you can empower or, or how does this benefit somebody else rather than it just benefits you? Mm -hmm. um, if you could figure out how you can implement your business to do that, that will definitely bless your business in return. That's I, I think that's an important thing. I, I, think, it's, I think it's overlooked. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of uh, Hollywood energy, kind of bitter energy, you know, talking about how, like, it's all about you. It's mm -hmm. all about, you know... Uh, money never sleeps, all that kind of BS. And like, I really don't think any of that is that valuable. No. Um, I, I always think that the things that are most valuable to me are when I have helped other people and in, in whatever capacity, you know, um, those are the things that are memorable. They feel good. Like there's a, you know, you watch other people succeed. Like that's incredibly meaningful. And if you structure your business thinking like that, I, I think it's a, it's a multiplier for success where a lot of people, I think, look at it as uh, a hindrance, yep. you know, like, oh, you should keep it and you should do this and you should do that. But I think like if you're coming at it with the mindset of I'm going to help other people through my business, like, yes, I want to be profitable. I want to make money, but I want to do more good and generate more wealth for others than mm. I take in is, is something that's 
very important to me. Awesome. That's it. That's it. That's <laughs> we, the we just book. nailed it. We just that's, nailed that's it. That's it. Secret of business. That is. What's the biggest business mistake you've ever made? Oh wow! Keeping certain employees on, keeping them you know longer than I should have. Yep. When yeah. too many chances. Too many chances. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's uh, probably yeah one of the biggest. You just can't help everybody. You can't help everybody. No. You know, and it, it's there are there's different situations, right? Mm -hmm. The easiest ones are like they're just bad. Yeah. They're just bad at everything. They're not nice people. They're like those are like all right, you know, fine. It doesn't work out, but. You know, um, I've had every situation you can because the apparel company, I had a lot of employees. So with Diesel Jack Media, you know, there's there's, you know, 15, 16, 17 of us at any given time. It's close. It's a close. You can have very personal conversations and like, hey, work on this, work on that. It's not like a. But when you have a lot of people. Mm hmm. And you, you're not really touching base every day with it. Every things can get out of hand. I've had, I've had theft. I've had, you know, uh, fraud. I've had people open accounts in my mm. name. I mean, like you name it. Like yep. it has happened to me, and it is wild how people will um, somehow blame you for the things that they do. I don't know if you've had that one, but it's like, oh yeah. It's wild. It is. Like I, I it's it, interesting when you grow up in an environment where it's like take responsibility for your actions, do good work, don't leave any job undone, see everything to its rightful conclusion, and then you encounter people that don't have that mindset. It's yeah. almost hard to So how do you do it? How do you identify quickly now that <laughs> if you've got the right people? The way I do it now because I I wanted everybody to win. Yep. And I had visions for them that they couldn't see for themselves. Yes. yes. And that's when I, I learned the hard way and at an entrepreneurial conference that I was at last year. Is sometimes you got to let go of the people that you, you really want to win, see them win because you have a vision for them, but they don't see it for themselves. And you spend more time babysitting them and yeah. uh, turning out their fires or taking a loss because you're trying to help them yep. succeed. So you have to identify when to let go. I started saying, I don't know when I started saying this and I certainly didn't invent it, but I now like when I have, when I'm talking to people and I'm mentoring someone or whatever, I can't want it more than you want it. Mm -hmm. If I want it more than you want it, it's never going to happen. Cause if I want it more than you want it, I'm just going to do it myself. Yep. You have to want whatever it is you're after. Yep. Or it's never gonna work. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So so I, I I've actually had meetings with my guys recently and we're going to have them actually moving forward within the next week or two. What are your aspirations? Mm. What is your goal? What do you what do you need from me? How can I help you achieve? That's great. What it is that you, you're trying to achieve. Because if I can help you, then you're gonna help me. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a, a working relationship. But if I need you to do something and you're doing it just to do it, you're not going to give me 100%. So I, I, I want to know what it is that you want. Where do you see yourself in this company? Because we're, we're growing here, and I want everybody to, to prosper. How do you make yourself better? I wrestle with this a lot because you can't sit on what you've already done. Yeah. You can't accept that you're good at everything. Yeah. How do you self-assess and make yourself better? 
that's something I, I struggled with. And this year, I'm taking a more active approach on how I relay my messages to the guys or how I speak to them or my demeanor. Um, because if a few of them didn't get it and they're not doing what I need them to do, well, it, mm. it might not be them. It might be the way I'm articulating what I'm trying to, to get done. So I try to sit back and, and analyze myself, see what I'm doing, see if that works or not. But at the same time, I'm asking them, hey, how did you receive this? What could I be doing better? How can I help you? How could I say this differently? Because I had one employee that told me, he's like, man, you, you kind of come at me hard. And, and my son actually pointed that out. And it's nothing personal against the guy. And I can see how it can come off that way. But I'm from the old school coaching era where the coaches, you know, in, in your face. And, and, but it's only to dig it out of you to get back on the court and dig it out. Yeah. Well, what I'm learning now is that's not the way he receives mm. communication. Yep. yep. And so um, I, I have to learn a different approach and everybody yeah. cannot be managed the same way. So hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I think Schwarzkopf, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to bastardize the actual quote, but he, he used to say, um, you know, I was a good leader when I treated you know, everyone in my platoon equally. I was a great leader when I realized that equal wasn't necessarily the same and that everybody need, you know, some people need a kick in the ass. Mm -hmm. Some people need kind words. Some people need, you know, laying it all out on a piece of paper. Like everybody needs something a little different and, and identifying what that is. It's always a challenge because yeah. you don't always know. And the other thing is like the generation is very different. Yeah. This generation, um, you know, there's a lot of benefits to this generation, but this generation doesn't do extremely well with criticism. Mm -hmm. They've been given positive messages their whole life. So if you, even if you bring up something that's minorly negative, like to you, like to you or I, if I was like, hey man, like, hey, this thing, it'd be great if you could fix this thing. You'd be like, Roger, got it. I got to fix this thing. I'm going to think about how I, what's that? It would be detrimental. Like, to me, it yeah. would be like. Well, no, yeah. to us, you're talking about to us, like, I will receive it. Like, okay, I yeah. see what you mean. I'm on it. I'm on it. Yeah. Or, uh, you know what? Like, here's why I do this. Are you sure you want me to change it? Like, but we'd, it wouldn't be like the end of your day. Yeah. You'd think about it for a little while. It would definitely be in the back of your head. You'd make sure that you would be good the next time, but you wouldn't take it like me saying you're a bad person. Mm -hmm. If I talk to somebody that is like under 30, maybe even 35 now and give them anything negative, if they haven't worked with for me for a while, it is like, <laughs> like I just shot their dog in front of them. Like, yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> and that's why I said that to you. Because, I mean, I hear that, and, and Nick, I think you said that to me once before too. It's 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 like it's not. This is not the end of the world. But I, I'm you, or no, you said to me. I think you're used to doing things and doing things well. And I'm not. I'm 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 sort of used to hearing you know criticism, but I I don't I, internally. I can't I can't manage it. My I, I go crazy when I hear it. I think I'm doing. But, but it but it is really important 
to be able to take criticism. You yeah. have to, you have to know, like I, one of the biggest lies that I told myself and it caused me millions of dollars of problems is that I was good at things I was not good at. So an example with Ranger up, right? I am an excellent marketer. You're not going to hear me say that about very many things. I can market. I can tell a story. Um, I can sell. I am good at these things. I am fair at inventory management at best, but I was the best person in my company at it at the time. So I allowed myself to kind of tell myself the lie that I was good at inventory management because I was better than everyone else. But then when you meet somebody that's actually good at inventory management, you realize how embarrassingly bad you were. Yeah. It would be like, you know, I like to put things in wrestling terms. The show Neutral Position is, uh, is based on, you know, wrestling. Um, oh. Right? If I wrestle in middle school and never wrestle again, but you've never wrestled and we wrestle, I'm going to feel good about myself probably. I'll probably beat you. I mean, you're an athlete, but if you've never done yep. it, I'll probably come out on top. Does that make me a good wrestler? No, I wrestled for a couple years in middle school. If I go up against an NCAA champion, yeah. I will get murdered. But in my small pond where no one else has wrestled, man, do I look good. Oh, Nick's good at wrestling. Then you throw me into a pool with kids that were good in high school or were good in college. Like all of a sudden you realize you're not good. And so criticism from people who care about you, right? It's different. Criticism on, this is different from criticism on the internet. Like somebody saying, you're ugly, you're stupid. You're like, that is not, you don't have to listen to those people, but somebody that cares about you and is telling you, Hey, you're a good person and you're good at this thing, but you need to fix this thing to get to the next level. If you take that as an attack, you will not ever go forward. You have to embrace it, assess it, and see what you can do with it. But you can't just like, it's not a hit. I don't do hits. If somebody is not good and I don't want them, I just fire them straight up mm -hmm. because it's and it's not even about whether they're good people or they're they might be great but they might not be great for me or my organization yep and i, I didn't mean to like run away with that but <clears throat> it's a good it's, it's, it's a good transition but I, I i would also like to hear have you ever tried to provide some of that constructive criticism to someone or to one of your guys that you mentor and it's not taken so lightly and they and they do take it how you said they, they just take it very personally <laughs> why are you laughing guys? i just i just, I just, I just feel i feel like there might be some personal thing you know floating around under and, the radar here but you know they have you have you how has it turned out for them um i mean most recently with my son now that my sons are old enough to travel with me and and do the, the festivals my middle boy carmelo we were at a show in in orlando and the way he was serving, like I, I came up to the side of him and told, well, well, no, this is how I want you to do it. But it was like in front of customers and 
he kind of like got offensive about it or def- defensive about it. And he then relayed to me that the reason why he was doing it this way was to do it that way for, for, for the result that he wanted. But I, I said to myself, wow, that, that's brilliant. But here I am trying to tell him how to do it my way. He came up with his own way. And, and that's one of many different scenarios where I came at my employee in, in, in a way that I'm trying to show them how to do it my way, but they, came, they had their own way of doing things. Sure. But it was the way that I approached them that they didn't receive it. Or there's times where I do explain something to them and they're defensive about it and, and they shut down. Yep. Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, well now there's no, how do I communicate with you now? That's the one that I see more and more. Yeah. And again, it's, it's the younger the person, the more yep. I see that. I had a, my nephew who, who's been with me the longest, 11, 12 years. And I had a mandatory staff meeting several months back and he didn't have a car, so he calls me last minute, like an hour before the, the meeting was supposed to start. Hey, can you scoop me up? Saying, You're waiting to the last minute to ask for a ride? That's, that's irresponsible on your part. You knew all along you didn't have a ride. I could have made arrangements for you. You know, and, and, and I kind of verbalized a little yeah. bit, you know, yeah. like <laughs> a little <laughs> profanity in there. And... So, but I figured out a way to find another employee to pick him up on the way here. Yeah, you solved the problem. I solved the problem, but because he shut down by the way I attacked him, he ended. He still didn't come, and he and he missed out on a, on a very important meeting. And I took that personally. So, um, you know, it was the night that I, I made the whole staff watch the secret, and it was important to me because I wanted them to be on the same page going into this season. Well, he he chose not to come. And it, and it bothered me because I really have a vision for him and this and a position in this company. And months went by where we didn't speak. Mm. And then the season starts back up and he sees, you know, we're out of town and we're making money. And he's asking the other guys, well, how much you guys made this <laughs> this weekend? And they're telling him. And now he you now mean, he now he wants to talk to me. Now he yeah. calls and he's yeah, texting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's when I had to make a decision, okay, do I keep it personal or do I, you know, try to work with him? And we actually, I said, okay, when I come back on Monday, I want to meet with you, but I'm not going to reach out to you. So I'll be available on Tuesday. Well, he took the initiative to call Tuesday and say, hey, what time are you available? I really want to talk to you. Okay. And he came to the house and we had a man-to-man discussion and... And he apologized. He says, man, I, I know what I did was wrong. I've been with you the longest. I see the vision of the company. I want to be a part of it. Now, the old me would have fired <laughs> him and just walk away. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and a mentor of mine a couple of years ago said, yeah, there's certain people you can't help. And you got to let them go. Mm-hmm. But then there's some you got to also keep in mind that these, these young men that God puts in, under your wing are between the ages of 18 and 22. So their minds are not fully functional as, as adults. Yeah. So they'll make rash decisions. and But if you quit on them and stop them and not show them the right way, you're just setting them up for failure because they're going to keep with that pattern. Mm-hmm. So use that as a teaching um, tool. And that's, what, and that's the approach that I have with him now. 
this is what I want for you. This is, this is where I see you, but this is what I need from you. What do you need from me? And ever since then, we, we've been doing very well together. That's great. So, but that's, that's the new approach that I'm working on this year. That's great. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. I think it's going to work <laughs> out. No, I, th I really yeah, believe so. I, yeah. It, it, you still need, you still need people that they want to meet you part of the way. Mm -hmm. You know, that's always the challenge is you can't, you never know what's inside somebody. I've been surprised a number of times. Like you think, you think you're, you're in a good situation with somebody. You think you're on the same wavelength then you realize you're not, you know, but for the most part, I wake up every day assuming that like me, people wake up in the morning and say, I want to do a good job today. There are very few people I've met in my life that don't want to do a good job. Now their standard might be different. What they think is good and what I think is good may be two very different things, but I assume that most people are trying to do the right thing and they just need guidance or they need help, or they need structure. Yep. Um, and that's generally been the case. But sometimes it's just like, there's just nothing you can do yep. to make people fit into your organization. Yep. Um, what's next? What is the, you know, if you look at five years in the future, right now you, you're you running the, the East Coast. Yep. Where, where are we in five years? Uh, still on the East Coast, because there's still a lot to do here. But starting with the first door, and opening up a second one, all in the triangle, mm -hmm. and eventually just spreading out. Um, we wouldn't go into New York or New Jersey. They already have franchises up there, and but there's so many untapped markets in the South or, you know, Virginia yeah. or out West, yeah. you know, Memphis. Have just randomly, because I can't, my, my brain starts working on this. Have you thought about tapping into military bases? Have you thought about tapping into like jujitsu tournaments? I'm just thinking about things that you might not be thinking about that have like pretty big numbers of people um, that I th that would be interested in the product. Um, well, yeah, last year was my first year doing military bases. Oh, cool. We did uh, Fort Gordon's 4th of July. Yeah, we did yeah. uh, Fort Bragg's 4th of July, and they were successful. So we'll continue to do those events this year and, and maybe tap into other bases, but... Really, there's there's no demographic. There's there's always an yeah, event going it's delicious on. Delicious ice. Yeah, there's there's always an event going on. There's something outdoors, and and the sky's the limit. So yeah, I really don't have a concrete plan. Okay, this is what I want to do, but definitely want to continue to grow the festivals, maintain the festivals that we're we're doing, add more festivals to mm -hmm. the list, but also corporate catering is a, is 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 a big one that I'm I'm working on now, and that's where I got the serving vans for. Because we're here in the triangle. There's nothing but big, small, medium size. Yeah. Uh, Fortune 100, Fortune 500, mom and pops uh, companies that we can serve by providing an icy social. Yep. That will promote company morale or yeah. employee uh, interaction. And it, and we're cost effective, whether you're a small mom and pops budget or, you know, you're. You know, the other thing is you've got. You've got Duke, UNC, oh, yeah. NC State, yeah. and, and all I'm tapped of, into them. Of course you are. I'm tapped I into them. <laughs> I figured you would be, but they all, you know, they have so many socials. Exactly. All the time. Exactly. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So the sky's really the limit, but I, I know that the corporate catering, and that will really blossom once we have our first store, because now the community, the people that know us, 
know where to find us. Mm-hmm. They know, you know, my social media. They can go to my website, place an order. But there's a whole bunch of other people in the community that never heard about Coco Christie right. because the majority of the time we're out on the road. So unless you're at a festival, you won't know who we are. Yep. But yep. once you taste, like, oh my gosh, this is delicious. Yeah. So I know once I open up that store in Durham and in Raleigh, and then we'll have the trucks outside and with our logos, people will come in and word of mouth will spread fast because the product is good. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, so, I, I stand by my product. So do we get to taste it? Oh, you're going to taste it, in, in, yeah, in a second. I, <laughs> I wouldn't come here without, you know, letting you taste the goods because it, it is that good. Like, I, I, will st- I will post up right next to anybody. I believe in my product. Let's do but, it. All right, cool. Let's do, we'll it. do it. But, um, but, yeah, corporate catering. But none for Kelsey. None for Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, corporate catering is where I really see the business just thriving. Hollywood, wow. you getting in on this? Let's take the man behind yeah. the camera. So these are containers that we, we so the containers, this started, like I said, um, during the pandemic. Remember when I said when your back's against the wall and you got to figure things out, that's when your ideas, creative juices start flowing. Excuse me. There you um, go, buddy. I'm sorry, I didn't serve you first. I'm so sorry. She she no, doesn't she doesn't deserve to, it. You know, she things equal. But 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 no, check this story out. Here, here's know, a true did, story. We did it in age order. Check <laughs> check this story out. So prior to uh, 2020, 100% of my revenue was festival based. So we make all our money at festivals. Yeah. Well, going thanks, thanks COVID. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I, that, I have my own uh, theory on COVID, but uh, <laughs> thanks uh, the government. All right, <laughs> we doing this? Yeah. Oh, was I supposed to wait? Uh, you... No, Kelsey, it's all right. No, Kelsey, you just—it's your world. We just get to live in it. Go ahead. So this is strawberry. See? That's very good. This is homemade. This is—it's not overly sweet. That's right. It's not syrupy. That's very good. It's refreshing. So all my flavors are true to the flavor. Strawberry tastes like strawberry. Mango tastes like mango. Coconut tastes like coconut. Is there actual strawberry in here? Yeah. Mm. So, but let's talk about it this like right it. here. Let's talk about these containers. So again, prior to COVID, a hundred percent of my income was was festival based. Going into March of 2020 was the first time in business where my first quarter was ramped up like like it was July. I had so many festivals in in Florida, big ones. And I'm just forecasting all the money I'm going to make at these shows. And we're we're in Daytona for Bike Week. And it was was Friday, 90 degrees, made a lot of money. But Saturday's the main day. Well, Friday night, the police came by to every vendor and said, the governor's shutting uh, the bike fest down. You cannot set up tomorrow. And that's when I knew COVID was real. Because prior to that, you see it on the, on, on yeah. the news. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So, But this was March of 2020. Now, earlier I said everything's a mindset, right? Your perspective in life, what you want out of life is, well, as I'm driving home, I'm thinking about this is real. Like, the, 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 this COVID thing is real. Yep. And if they shut down Bike Week, that means they're going to shut down Everything. every other festival that I have lined up. And I've got all this inventory. Right? Exactly. Yep. Or, or And also, I'm 
based on festival hundred. My revenue is one hundred percent based on on what I make at these festivals. So if there's no festivals to vend at, there's no revenue. There's no money coming in. So I get home, and and I pray. I said, okay, Lord, this is real. I can't worry about what I was going to make or what I'm going to miss out on. Yep. But I trust you that I'm going to be okay because I'm a good son and you're my father and we're going to make this, we're going to get through it. So a week later goes by and I come up with a dollar amount, what I need to make in order to get through this summer. If everything is going to be shut down, well, this is how much I need to make. And this is the conversation I had with God. I said, I don't know how I'm going to make this without a festival, but I trust you. And, and, and things are going to work out. So it's positive affirmations, just speaking positivity, th- positive mindset. That following week, I get an idea because people for years, they want my ice. Lou, I want your ice, man. Make me a bucket. I said, for what? Like, I, I, I have no time to deliver. Yeah. I can't do that. You know, it's time consuming. I'm focused on my festivals and there's no money in that anyway. Well, I came up with the idea to start a mobile delivery service during COVID. So I took these 32 ounce containers and started because I make my own ice, poured them into here, you know, put a uh, seal on it, put in the freezer. And I started marketing on Instagram and Facebook for mobile delivery service during COVID. And it was three of these for $35 with a $5 delivery fee. Two for 25, one for 15. You can buy as many as you want, but three for 35 was the minimum order. And at that time, I was marketing on Facebook and Instagram. Everybody's home. Everybody's on social media. I had a captive audience. And at that time, it was during you know, the movements and, and, and people supporting black-owned businesses or, or, or just supporting small businesses that were struggling during yep, the yep. pandemic. So I had people place orders. I go deliver to them. And I say, hey, do me a favor. Take a picture of the containers. You want more? Let's <laughs> go. I'll have more after, but I want to okay. be I'll able have to more talk. now. Yeah, take <laughs> it. Since I'm doing all the work. Take it. Here. So that's really good. And it's really good. With some vodka. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It, it is actually really good it as, a, as good. a daiquiri. It would, it would be good. That's it another business good. idea we're going to do down the future. I'm going to do a daiquiri and a hookah bar with the ice. What about those mobile uh, mobile those, those bikes that go through? The, yes. All know. that, bro. But back to, uh, to, 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 to the containers. I, w- I told the customer, and this is during the pandemic, take a picture of your ice, post it on your social media story or, or post, and tag me. Even if you don't buy, at least just do that for me. And what that did was that I was marketing. They were marketing me to sure. their audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it spread like wildfire. During the whole 2020 pandemic, I put my head down and was just delivering, making the containers, sealing them, taking the orders, delivering them. Then people were in Maryland that said, hey, I want some. Well, okay, well. How do I do that? How do I do that? Well, I tell you what. Put it in your community, on your social media. If we get enough people, I'll drive up there in my truck. I put freezers on there, a bunch of containers. I made maybe four trips to D.C., a couple of trips to Charlotte, to New York, and the mobile delivery service took off. Now, the number that I threw out there to God that said, this is how much I need it, was six figures, right? No marketing plan, no 
no, yeah. no, nothing. Just, just social media and through word of mouth and perseverance and a positive mindset. Mm -hmm. Okay. By the end of the season, when I looked at my numbers, not only did I hit that number, but I went over $50,000. This was just with no marketing plan. But in the beginning, it started with the mindset. This is what I need. And I trust you. And everything's going to be okay. Yep. Even without a festival. So now we started the delivery service. Well, now people in California or Nevada, Texas, hey, Lou, I want your ice. Well, what did I do? I figured out a way how to do it. So now I package them. I got three deliveries that have to go out today. And, I, and through UPS, I package it with dry ice. Mm -hmm. And now I can ship all over the country as if I took it out of my freezer and hand delivered it to you next door. And all that came through, my back was against the wall and I had to figure yeah. things out. You're always you're always at your best when you're absolutely screwed. I'm a big believer in that. When when you have no way out, you figure it out. You know, <laughs> what's the uh You want some more? If I had an empty one, I would have slid an empty one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the the burn the ships mentality. Yep. You know, the only way Sink or the swim. only way is through. Yep. Yeah. Sink or swim, fight or flight. You know, yeah. I just I just refuse to lose. That comes from my, my sports background. Yep. You know, it just carries yeah. on into business. Like, no, I, we have to win. Yeah. How do we win? As an athlete, if I want to win and the game's close and it's the fourth quarter, but I'm tired, well, dig it out. Dig. You got to dig the inside of you and dig it out. To the, when there's no more time on the clock, then the game's over. Same thing at a festival. That's why I hire athletes. Guys, we don't... There is no timeouts. There is no, let's take a break. No. Once the festival starts, I want both ends of the court played. Offense and defense. We're going to full court press, and we're going to run a fast break. We can't just lollygag because you start talking to girls. As a wrestler, I'm assuming we're talking about basketball terms. Yes. <laughs> basketball. Basketball, you're right. But, but yeah, you know, while the game, while the festival is going on, that's the game clock yeah, is going. You go hard, yep. Right? So we want to score as many baskets as we can. If, if you take a break or, okay, I want to relax or I need a lunch break. Well, it's illegal. You can't force us. Well, no, you're not an hourly worker. We're entrepreneurs here. And I don't pay you to sit down. So, no, yes, I need you to dig it out. You guys are so much alike, I can hardly stand it. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I need you to dig it out, okay? When the clock, when the festival is over, there's no more There's no, no more time in the game. We can't score a bucket. So whatever we do after the fact. Kelsey, no more lunch breaks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm back. And I wish Dan yeah. was here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Dan, Dan Mercer, was a, he was a Division One basketball player. Okay. Uh, what school? UCW. Okay. But then and he played over. He played in uh, China. He played in uh, Australia. Australia. And uh, at, he, at some point, just decided his real passion was film and jumped into that, you know. So, but this is like the one time we're talking about basketball. Yeah, Usually we're talking about things right. he's, he's, you know, he'd be so excited right now. And, but that's how I run my team. You know, give, give me 100% on both ends of the court. For example, uh, we went to St. Pete, Florida, mm -hmm. last, yeah, a yeah. few weeks ago for a major festival. One of the biggest ones I've ended at, but it was about 20,000 people, four days straight, and we could not sell a thing. And we tried everything. We was pushing the carts all over the fields, trying to get better position, sampling the product, trying to get people to come to the, to the carts. Nothing. We barely, made, we barely made enough to cover all the expenses. And my son said, 
dad, like, like this is frustrating. I said, why? It's because we're doing all this work and we're not making any money. I said, I get it. But as the coach and the GM of this team, all I want you guys to do is to go hard on both ends. You're, you're giving me everything you have. If they don't buy, that does, that's not on you. But if we're here and they're not buying and you're not at your cart or you're not being aggressive and trying to sample yeah. them, then now I have a problem then with it's that. on you. That's right. But if you gave me everything you had during yeah. the festival yep. and we don't make money, you don't worry about that. You're st- I'm, I got you. Yeah, I just else? want you to give me your effort. Because what else can you do? Exactly. Yeah, control what you can control. Exactly. That's right. That's great. Yep. Worst flavor made. Yeah, what is the worst flavor you've ever made? None. Come on. I'm, I'm, Come I'm, on, I'm Mr. Positivity. I'm Give me some ass. negativity. I'm dead ass. It's, it's, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm like, well, hey, what was the what was the worst time you've ever had? When I was winning just too much that it made me tired. <laughs> no. No, I'm I'm dead ass. Like there is no bad flavor. There is none. There's no bad flavor. There I, is none. I feel like I not could, that I've made. I feel like I could make a bad flavor. No. If well, I, put I mean, my so, mind so each flavor is. I, I'm manifesting that I can oh, do wow. it. Oh <laughs> wow! You can, man. But no, that, honestly, there is none. There is none. They they're all true to the flavor, and whether you don't like lemon, then you don't get a lemon. Yeah. But okay. lemon tastes like a frozen lemonade. All right. Mangoes taste like a frozen mango. This was really good. Thank this you. This was really good. There's a lot of people that sell Italian ice. Yeah but they buy that crap from Restaurant Depot. I make my own. Okay, You can call uh, pizza, well, pizza. I'm from New York. If you got a pizza shop, you got Domino's, you got Pizza Hut, Papa John's. Sure. Those are, that's all pizza, right? Yeah. But it's not New York. I mean, is it is it pizza? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It says it's pizza. It yeah. looks like a pizza. Yeah. But for somebody who really knows what good pizza is, yeah. Shit is trash. Yeah, it's trash. Yeah. Okay, well, that's that's mine. Italian ice. You got yeah. other people that have Italian ice umbrellas, yeah. and they have their little carts. It's not mine. It's not Coco yeah. Chrissy. I got you, man. This yeah, is man. this is good stuff. Yeah. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Is there anything that you wish I would have asked you that I haven't asked you so far? Um, What's our target audience? Who, who are we talking to? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the audience is all over the place. Like, no, so is it men, women, men? It, so it is the the biggest demographic we have yep. is men age uh, thirty five to fifty five. The okay. second biggest demographic is men twenty five to thirty five, um, and then women uh, thirty five to fifty five. So kind of that twenty five mm-hmm. to fifty five range. But we also <clears throat> have fifteen percent, eighteen to twenty five, and we even have. Uh, like eight, nine percent that are sixty-five and older. Yeah. So we're all over the place. That's cool, but the majority is is men, you know, my age, you know, thirty-five plus. You said I'd say most people are men twenty-five to fifty-five. Okay. Let's talk about parenting. So about you know being all a parent. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, parenting super easy, right? Heck no, man. <laughs> heck no. It is. It is. But you know, it is. But it isn't. Yeah. It is. But it isn't. Yeah. You know, um, it was. It was. It's a challenge, especially when you have. I have boys. Yep. I have three boys, and they were on cruise control up until teenage teenage years. But then, you know, that mid-teens, where they, you know, growing a little hair on their armpit and a little facial hair, now they yep. start to smell themselves, and it may want to challenge you. Yep. And, and that was a difficult time. My sons were never disrespectful, but they're 
you know, teenagers like us. Yeah. You know, when, I had to think back, man, when I was his age, I, I kind of acted the same way towards my dad. Yeah. Where you think you know everything. Where you want to challenge, you know, the authority. But but now that they're 18 and 21 and we got over that hurdle. Yeah. And, um, but you have to be consistent in being a good parent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. It's a fine line between parenting and being a friend. Like you want them to trust you and come to you yeah. and, and confiding you, but you're also got to, we're not buddy, buddy. You're not like yeah. my best friend. Yep. Like I got to still be your daddy. Yeah. I always look at it like my job is to make contributing members of society that are not assholes mm-hmm. that can take care of themselves and that have empathy. That's the way I think about it. Like I, you need to be able, like, I don't care if you go, if you want to go out and be a millionaire or you want to work a nine to five, but you've got to be able to take care of yourself. I want you to be kind to others, you know, um, to contribute meaningfully. Yeah. Like that's the way I look at the end result. And so sometimes that means that you can be buddy, buddy. And sometimes that means that you have to be the one that's saying, nah, this is unacceptable behavior. Exactly. Or you can't go with these people because I don't trust these people and I'm not putting you in that predicament, you know, even though you think they're great, you know, like you have to, you have to make the decisions based on the wisdom that you have from making bad decisions or from observing bad decisions to keep them out of those situations, Yep. you know, and it is hard sometimes, especially I have had, um, my kids are, have all been fairly easy, you know, not, you know, so far. Um, they've been pretty, you know, of course kids are all going to have flare ups, but they've, they've been pretty, pretty good. The girls push me a lot more than the guys. Like mm-hmm. you think when, when they were younger, I thought, all right, the, they're going to hit teenage years and it's going to be like, you know, kind of that friction with, with the boys. And I, I've had that a little, but not much. The girls um, have many layers to their deceit and planning. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know? That's one way <laughs> and, to put it. <laughs> uh, no, and, and I'm being overly aggressive, <laughs> but, but um, they stay with it longer, you yeah. know? And deceit's not the right word, but, like, they, um, you know, when they deceit... When they decide what it's going to be, it's much more challenging to get them off that. Oh, wow. You know, it's much more challenging, wow. and they have more patience. Okay. Whereas the boys would just be like, you know, ah, I'm mad at you. Like, it's <laughs> not the way the girls do it. So, oh, but yeah, it's still, but still, like, it's all. Yeah. I've been blessed. Yeah, I think you know if you have that relationship with them and and you're consistent and yeah and you're loving yeah. Um, you know, once they figure out life, because they, they still have a, a difficult time communicating how they feel. Sure. Or yeah, what it's a it tough is. Time. They, yeah, it it's is. It's a tough time. And, um, but, you know, now that we're over that hurdle, and it was nothing major, but there was times where, you know, my son, I'm not talking to you. Come on, man, what's that about? I'm not, but I was still consistent in loving him and supporting him. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, there was a point recently, well, last year where, he acknowledged that. He said, man, I was an asshole, man. I'm sorry, Dad. And that's all we want as parents mm. is, you know, for our kids to, to succeed in life, acknowledge, you know, what they did and 
you just want them to be productive and, and, and positive people in, in the community. We, we recently had a guest on that does, um, he does private schools and he also has a program for young men and, uh, and dads. Mm-hmm. And, uh, his name is Matthew Boudreaux. And one of the things that he said on the show that I thought was really interesting and I think is absolutely true is, you know, when you're, when you are a parent, you have this job, you have to, you know, make sure that the kids are learning these things that they need to learn to be successful in life. But really at the end of the day, like if you go out and you're a millionaire and you, you have acclaim and fame and all these things, but your kids don't want anything to do with you and they're not excited to see you when, you know, when they're 30, you know, when they're 35, yep. they don't want to spend time with you. Then you failed as a man. Yes. Yes. And I believe that. A few years ago, like I said, when I was going through that, that little rough patch with them and, and it wasn't, you know, you know, fighting or anything. It was just isolation. Yeah. Just didn't want, you don't want, you don't want to talk to yeah. him. He was living with his mom. And, but I was growing the business and I was so focused on, on growing the business and, and I was yeah. getting, acquiring new carts and vans and, and I'm, I'm being congratulated by so many people. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. They'll see me in the street or on social media, comment. Yeah, you're man, doing ha- it. Congratulations. Yeah, man. yeah. But then, like, I look at myself in the mirror and it's like, that's great. But the people that I love the most, I can't share this with them. Mm. You know? Yep. So when I started to just focus more on my family and the people that I love the most... And I don't care about what you think of me or or I'm posting this so I can get a certain amount of likes. That, that's not what yeah, it, that's yeah. not life. Life is where you can enjoy life with the people that you love. And I'm I'm doing that now because now my sons, they work with me side by side. They're helping me grow the business. They're very active. And now I'm enjoying life. Yep. I'm really enjoying life yeah. in, in this process. But that's a healthy way to think about it. I, I've been doing, I've been a, a social media guy since pretty much the beginning. I had, I mean, my first company had a MySpace account. Oh, just wow. to put it in perspective. You know? Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, or as uh, as we called it, our Mi Espacio account. Mi <laughs> Espacio. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but I've been, like, in social media, I've been cool, then not cool, cool, then not cool, like a few times, right? Like, my star has kind of risen, fallen, and none of it really matters. Yep. Like, really none of it matters. Like, you know, when things are going well, everyone loves you. When things are going poorly, uh, you're forgotten. Um, and But the core group of people, whether it's your family or friends that are really your friends, that are there consistently throughout the whole thing, like Hollywood Heard back here, um, those are the people that deserve your attention and everything else. You just have to let it go. Have you ever been told, Hey, you look like an IPA man. Well, I have a lot. The thing about being an IPA man is finding the best tasting craft beer because to be frank, there's a lot of horrible ones. Ones that taste like dog urine, janitor, mop bucket residue, or public pool water. But if you can sit through the stinkers, you'll find the gems, the ones that make being an IPA drinker all worth it, the ones that taste like sunshine, rainbows, and happiness. And my friends, I found a gem. Tough Dog Brewing is the single greatest beer drinking experience I've had in my time on this planet. 
drinking IPAs. With six beautifully crafted beer flavors, this veteran-owned and operated business is exactly what the craft beer community needed. Get yours today at toughdogbrewing.com. That's T-U-F-F dogbrewing.com. With that, now the moment we've been waiting for, Louis. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> do we, why, do we have, why do we have tape on the hat oh, today? So- oh, oh, you know what? <laughs> this is my handwriting, too. What's it say? What's it say on it? Neutral position hat. Yep. Yeah, we, hey, 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 thanks. Look, we've got this here. You can see it says neutral position hat. So now we know it's the neutral position. Hat. We're going to turn that around that was more so for, we don't uh, see it movie. through the magic of editing. All right, we'll open this uh, this hat up and let him, let him pick. You want it? He gets to pick yeah, them? Let him pick. Does he read them or do I read oh, them? He reads them. It's no, <laughs> no, he picks, you read them. I feel like this is a lot of work. Has this happened before? No. I here, we're going to put the hat aside. Yeah, you really what are we stay doing? out of this. Stay out of what this. What kind of initiation? This is, is the rapid on? fire round. The first question that I always ask everybody, and then I don't know what's in here, but the one I always ask everybody hand to hand combat. What's the toughest animal you can defeat? That I can defeat? Yeah. Toughest animal? Yeah. Holy crap. Like, we're like, like realistically? To, you're, or? Yeah, yeah, realistically. Oh, you're, fight, you're fighting to the death. Well, I don't know how realistic it is, Louis. Somebody <laughs> said a lion. We, had, we have a guy. Yeah, there's no we way. We have a guy that thinks he could take a lion, but, you know. Dude, that. If if an angry squirrel charges me, man, I'm taking off. So I don't. <laughs> what do you think? Could you take a, a New York rat? Oh hell no! <laughs> hell no! No life and death. You're locked in a room. Yeah. You can't flee. You have to. One What's of you has to come out alive. What's the toughest animal you can take? The toughest animal I can take. Uh, my ex-wife. No, I'm just. <laughs> she's a no. She's a gem. <laughs> She is a gem. I don't even know why I said that. She is a gem. E- no, wow. E- I don't know. <laughs> when, when was the Life was going great for Louie. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> you, see like, was, right? you see like him getting hit, and for it's real. like, I bet you're wondering how I got here. Yeah, no, she, she's a gem. I don't even know why I said that. All right, let's, um, we'll pick a different one. A rat, a New York City a rat. rat. Okay, there he's like, yes. he's like, I want out I'm of this gonna, I'm question. Gonna kick, yes, I'm I want kick. out of this question. All right, here we go. Here yes. we go. Rapid fire round, no right. deep thought. Let's go. Here All we right. go. I'm here sure. we go. Let's do it. This sounds fun. What would your younger self think of who you are today? Oh wow, super proud. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a New York Yankee because I thought I was going to be a Yankee, but think proud of proud of who I am. It's all right. Not everybody can be a Red Sox. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, there, I was, there it is. Hey, I've been good the whole time. I've been good. What's the worst icy flavor you've ever had or ever made? Uh, the one, the worst that I've ever had was somebody else's. Okay. Not mine. Okay. What was it? What What company? What was the, what was the flavor? Oh. Uh, I mean, you can, if you want to sell them out, go ahead. No, no I'm not going to shoot the company down. I'm not gonna, but, but what was the flavor? I don't know. Cherry. <laughs> oh, Kelsey. Oh what? Kelsey. Hey, that comes out of her pay. Kelsey. See, these are the. we're going to have to have a discussion about this, and then she's going to be sad for like a month. That's got to come out of her pay. No lunch right. tomorrow. What's been the best age so far? Oh, man, so many of them. So I, I grew up in the 80s, so I, I got a little bit of the breakdancing. Uh, I, I grew up in the 90s, the golden era of hip-hop, so that was cool. But I would say right now. I don't need okay. that. All right, kill the timer. Kill the, the timer is not, the timer is not helping us. You're ruining the show. You're ruining the show. Yeah, so just say it's 10. Say it's 10 seconds. Just say it's 10 seconds. Right now, though, I'm enjoying life right now. 
Awesome. You know, I have my, my four, here you go. I got a four-year-old that I watch Elmo with, and I got a 21-year-old that I can drink a beer with. Awesome. So I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying life right now at awesome. 45. Yep. If you were supreme leader for a day, what law would you put into place? Oh, my gosh. Uh, golf. Golf. Uh, every, every, I get to play golf. Well, everybody gets to play golf. Let's go, Louie. I'm ready right yeah, now. Right now. <laughs> That's great. Is it? That's a great law. Well, just vote for me then. All right. Your life starts over at 18. Yep. You only get to keep one skill. Everything else disappears from memory. What is it? Mm, to help me right now? Do whatever you want. But you start over, you're starting over at 18 with one skill and one, one skill only. What skill is it? The salesman, the, being a salesman, learning how to be a salesman at 18. An all-star salesman, door-to-door vacuum. All right. <laughs> what is a stereotype about Greek life that is actually true? Oh, the Kappas are pretty boys. Were you a Kappa? Yeah, I am a Kappa. <laughs> hey, I don't know how I don't know how this works. I don't know how this works. <laughs> yeah. What was it? What was the question I asked you earlier? You said, oh, you said I've never met a black Greek. <laughs> oh wow. So she goes. She goes. She goes. Yeah. He. You know. He's. He's. Uh, he's a black Greek. And I was like, Oh, I've never met a black Greek before. And. Well, um, <laughs> fraternity, right? Fraternity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew. I know. It was just. A, it was just a dad joke. Okay. It was just a dad joke. She knew it was a dad joke. All right. What is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, uh, uh, don't stop. Um, uh, what? You have to sing. ten Holy crap! Um, you're supposed to let him answer. You guys jumping in? See, this is Kelsey got all excited because she knows you. So like, she's ruining the show. She's just ruining the show. What is your go-to karaoke song? Well, um. Probably Rob Bass, it takes two. All right, we need 10 seconds That's of easy. it. I don't want to rock right now. I'm Rob Bass and I came to get down. I'm not internationally known, but I'm known to rock the microphone because I get stupid. I mean outrageous. Stay away from me if you're contagious. All right. See see how I, I did the see how I did the 10 seconds yeah, and I didn't ruin the show? No way, that was perfect. <laughs> uh-oh, uh-oh. That's it? That's, that's it? all That's all you put in the hat. That's a wrap. That is a wrap. No, no, no. That was a wrap. Yeah. That was a wrap. Oh! Lou Torres, thank yes, you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having uh, me. Had a great time. I think people probably learned a lot about entrepreneurship, not quitting, and having a positive mindset. That's it. Hit them with your socials so we can share this delicious goodness with everybody else. Sure. If you guys want to place an order or just follow me, um, or if you want to ask me questions direct, you can reach me at uh, Instagram or Facebook at Coco Chrissy, which is C-O-C-O-C-R-I-S-S-I. Same thing for the website, www.cococrissy.com. Awesome. Yeah. Guys, as always, we appreciate your support. Please feel free to subscribe, like, etc. Thanks again. We'll see you soon.